My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. When anybody preaches this text, right, this always gets brought up, that tax collectors were local people who were pretty rotten due to corruption and greed, as well as being financiers of the Roman military machine and state. So I'm not going to dwell too much on that this morning. We don't know how many other people were there seated with him, but Jesus singles him out. And he says, follow me. Hey, you. And shockingly, he does. He gets up and he walks away from his tax booth and he follows Jesus. He has no idea where Jesus is going, but he wants to be there. There's something about the call to discipleship that cut through all the noise in his heart and his mind as he left everything behind. And this is a big deal. This is a very big deal because tax collectors were able to amass great wealth for themselves. Not only does Jesus single out Matthew and call him, but he goes one step further and reclines at table with him and other tax collectors and sinners. But we have to keep in mind when we hear stories like this, there was no middle class in the ancient world, right? In America, a lot of us are kind of in the upper middle, lower middle class. But in the ancient world, you had people who were incredibly wealthy, and you had people who were incredibly poor. There was no real sort of in-between. That does develop eventually, but not like in our modern world. Jesus goes and eats with Matthew and other tax collectors and sinners. And eating a meal together is an important part of not only the life of family, but also of friendship. Jesus is actively seeking out people like Matthew and his peers, people who are real, actual, and notorious sinners, and befriending them around the dinner table. And it's interesting that the the recline to table is the way that Jesus has instructed his church to worship when we come before his table and his altar, which is why we have communion so frequently. For us, we generally do it about twice a month. And it's interesting that these people that Jesus sits with and eats with, they become open to Jesus, and they actually sometimes seek him out, but not seeking him out in the same way as the Pharisees. They're seeking Jesus out to try to get to know him, to spend time with him, to hear what he has to say. And the Pharisees are always trying to seek Jesus out to get him in trouble. Is he breaking the Torah? Let's see what he does now. Right? It's like those people who, they don't really care about you, They want to know what's going on in your life and ask you questions about your life so they can talk about you with somebody else. Can you believe what happened the other day? Let me ask you a question. When Jesus was reclining at table or spending time with tax collectors and sinners and and even uh, prostitutes and other people, drunkards, did he ever compromise? Did he ever sin when dealing with sinners? Did he ever overlook sin and pretend like it wasn't actually a thing or a big deal? Well, no. But he goes to the places where those who are known to be sinners work and live, and his presence among them leads to their transformation. There's a wonderful story in the Gospel of Luke with Zacchaeus, where we can see this very clearly, and here with Matthew. And what happens to Matthew? He follows Jesus. 
He becomes a disciple of Jesus. He leaves behind his lifestyle of sinfulness by leaving behind his very vocation to follow Jesus. And where does he ultimately follow Jesus to? Well, likely, people, this is kind of debated, but generally speaking, people think that Matthew was martyred many, 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 many years later in Ethiopia, spreading the gospel. That's where he follows Jesus to, his own death. Now, a tax collector, well, hold on, before we get there, right? Jesus enters these spaces, right? Matthew's house, eating with the, the, the tax collectors and sinners, right? He goes to these spaces for a reason, and his reason is to heal them. Now, a tax collector may not be sick with leprosy, but he might be sick with greed. A Pharisee may not be sick with cancer, but he may be sick with pride. Jesus heals all kinds of sickness, and even sometimes in the Bible we see that physical sickness can be a reflection of inner sickness. Not always, but sometimes. And sometimes physical sickness is a result of our actions. Sometimes it's not. And Jesus, this is the beautiful thing, he heals all sickness. And when he gets called out on hanging with sinful people, Jesus responds. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now we get that, that last part, but did you catch the whole thing? He tells the teachers and the experts of the Torah to go back to the scriptures that they're supposedly experts in and learn what the scriptures are saying. It's kind of bold. He says, go learn what this means, you jerks. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he cites the prophet Hosea from what we just heard read this morning. Because Jesus has been sent to heal the sick. And his ministry of healing the inner and outer parts of a human being is a picture of the effects of the fullness of salvation he seeks to bring to the world and to the entire cosmos and to all. Commenting on this passage, St. John Chrysostom said, see how he turns their reasoning to the opposite conclusion of the Pharisees. That is, while they made it a charge against him that he was in the company with these men, he, on the contrary, said that his not being with them would be unworthy of him and his love of mankind, right? So in other words, St. John is saying, listen, where else would he be than with the people who need him? That's the point. He's where he's needed the most, ministering to the people who need him the most. And the sad thing of the story is, Jesus says he has called, not come to call the righteous to, to repentance, but, but the sinners. But here's the thing, the Pharisees are sinners too. And one of the reasons why they, they, they constantly clash with them is they don't see their own sinfulness because of their pride. And he calls them out for it all the time. All the time. You actually lay burdens on people beyond what the law actually says. The Torah lays this out, but you actually add extra stuff on top of what God gave us. Right? Not that their, their, their mistake wasn't in their zeal in trying to follow the law, the Torah, their zeal was in going beyond what the Torah prescribed and binding people with those types of obligations that God did not ask them to have. 
there's a, a prayer that's prayed. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was so beautiful. I, I, I popped to my mind just now and I wrote it down really quick. But where else will Christ's light shine except to those who dwell in darkness? And so when Jesus says, follow me, right, he's asking us to follow him for healing, right? That's the point of this sermon today, is that we follow Jesus because of he's healing us, he's saving us. Jesus seeks out the sinner because they are lost. Jesus doesn't seek out sinners because he thinks they might be mistaken about this or mistaken about that. Jesus seeks out the sinner because they are lost. Without Christ, we are all lost. doesn't matter who you are, where you grew up, where you came from, what country you're from. All of humanity without Christ is lost. Jesus comes, he says, as the shepherd, right, to seek and save those who are what? Those who are lost. So Jesus comes to sinful humanity as human. The God-man, right? We'll confess the Apostles' Creed in a minute. Now notice, when Jesus comes and spends time with the sinners... He doesn't affirm their sin, but he invites them into fellowship with him. As the sin is then left behind, and as the sin is forgiven, and the person is healed and transformed. Right? Now, notice this. Jesus doesn't say, you know, Matthew, I want you to come and leave this behind and follow me, because that's what that means, right? Leaving behind everything, your business, all of this stuff. I'm an itinerant rabbi. Come follow me and learn from me. Matthew knows what he's asking him when he says, follow me. And this makes me think of, uh, right, when, when Elijah, he's looking for someone to succeed him, and God leads him to the house of Elisha, and Elisha's plowing the field. Elijah calls him and says, come and basically, like, come follow me, you're going to be my disciple. And Elisha's like, okay, let me just settle this, and I'm going to come with you. And they kill the calves that he was using to plow the field. And they sacrifice them to the Lord, and then he gets his family, and they eat together. And then he leaves his family and his business and all of that stuff behind, and he follows Jesus. And it's the same with Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. Jesus says, follow me. What do they do? They throw down their nets, and are like, see a pop, and they, <laughs> and they go off. And their dad's like, what's going on? Jesus doesn't say to Matthew, you know, Matthew, times are tough, and I understand why you'd want to be a tax collector, right? Given the profits that you stand to make out of the job. So maybe instead of charging, by the way, the law, the Torah, forbids the charging of interest on loans, all right? That was forbidden by God to his people, but they did it anyway, right? So Jesus doesn't come and say, you know, Matthew, the law says you shouldn't charge any interest, but times are really, really tough, and I know you're charging probably more interest than what you maybe should and I know you got to put food on the table, Matthew. So, you know, instead of charging 20% interest on all of this stuff, maybe you should just charge 10. That's ethical and kind of fair, right? That's our vision of Jesus today, right? When people are trapped in sinful lifestyles and sinful worldviews, we think that Jesus comes among them to just hang out with them just for the sake of hanging out with them and to give them a hug and a handshake and say, look how welcome and loving and affirming we are. Well, I am, right? You should just become wel welcoming and loving and affirming and all of this good stuff too, which is true. We should be welcome and we should be affirming of people and we should love them. But Jesus doesn't come into the presence of sinners or bring them into his presence to leave them the way they are. If Jesus doesn't come to transform us and to heal us, then there's no point. 
if we believe that Jesus will just affirm us in our sinfulness, right? We've all been afflicted with it, right? We all inherit it. <laughs> the original sin, right? We, it's something we confess across the entirety of the Christian tradition. That sin has disordered us. And Christ is reordering us in his own image. That's salvation, right? Jesus doesn't come and say, keep doing what you're doing, it's okay. Even if those things can lead to your own destruction, physically, mentally, spiritually, it's okay because I love you. No, out of love, Jesus goes and he says, follow me, right? Leave those things that, that are, 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 like, leave those things behind that are just so dug into you that you can't get rid of them. Leave those things behind. Leave everything behind and follow me. To follow Jesus means to leave behind a life of sin. To follow Jesus means to leave behind everything we hold dear. And in our culture, we have like distractions and we have different ideologies that are grab grabbing at us, right? Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Across the political spectrum, right? Left, right, middle, and many of those things are hurtful, are hurtful and harmful to the human soul. But they, they, they pull on us out of either misguided senses of compassion, misguided sense of justice, or misguided sense of our own rightness. That's how those things hook into us. Jesus says, leave all of that behind and follow me. Everything we hold dear, leave it behind. Because at the end of the day, and we might not even see it or experience it now, at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's worth it. Right? If, if for the, the glory of the joy that was set before him, Jesus endures the cross, what that accomplishes for humanity is worth it. And I think as Christians, as individuals, as a church, we should be asking ourselves and corporately these questions. Where is Jesus leading us? Is he leading us to embrace ideologies and secular visions of the world dressed in Christian language? Or is he calling us in the other direction? To follow him when it's costly. To follow him even though what we believe stands against the world and what the world stands for. And that's not just true of our own day and time, brothers and sisters. That's true of Christianity throughout the entirety of history. And so when our faith, when our faith looks too much like political ideology or gets conformed to political ideologies and secular ideologies and academic ideologies across the spectrum, right, it ceases to be Christianity. And we have to be careful that we don't take our Christianity and add it to those things because then we don't have the faith anymore. Because our faith cuts through all of that. Because it sees humanity as what it is, lost, sinful, in need of salvation, in need of reordering, in need of being resurrected. So as individuals, as churches, we should ask ourselves this question. Where is Jesus leading us? What is he asking me to leave behind as I continue to follow him? Like, I'm not, say <laughs> I'm not saying that you just dump everything right now and like, you know, Jesus is leading me to go preach to the birds or something. No, that's not what I mean. That's a stupid example, right? But you get what I'm trying to say, right? 
There's things that ensnare us, that keep us from following him. Let's leave those behind. As a church, where is Jesus leading us? To whom is he leading us to minister to? What are we becoming? Will we follow where he leads? And I think that our answer to all of this should be, okay, Matthew gets up and he goes. And that should be our, our response too, to the call to discipleship. Because when we follow him is when he dines with us and when he transforms us and saves us and makes us a new creation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows. So if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to gofundme.com slash Zion Stone Church Repair Fund. God bless you and thanks for listening.